Part 3, Chapter 2, Section 121 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 3, History of the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus. Chapter 2, Machinations of the Enemies of Jesus, Treachery of Judas, Last Supper with the Disciples. Section 121 divergent statements respecting the time of the last supper not only does the fourth evangelist omit all mention of the above arrangements for the paschal meal he also widely diverges from the synoptists in relation to the meal itself independently of the difference which runs throughout the description of the scene and which can only be hereafter considered he appears in regard to the time of the meal to represent it as occurring before the passover as decidedly as it is represented by the synoptists to be the paschal meal itself when we read in the latter that the day on which the disciples were directed by jesus to prepare for the meal was already the first day of unleavened bread when the passover must be killed matthew chapter twenty six verse seventeen and parallel passages we cannot suppose the meal in question to have been any other than the paschal further when the disciples ask jesus where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the passover when it is hereupon said of the disciples that they made ready the passover matthew verse nineteen and parallel passages and of jesus that when evening was come he sat down with the twelve. Verse 20. The meal to which they here sat down appears to be marked out even to the superfluity as the paschal, even if Luke, chapter 22, verse 15, did not make Jesus open the repast with the words, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you. When, on the other hand, the fourth gospel commences its narrative of the last meal with the statement of time before the feast of the passover chapter thirteen verse one the supper which is mentioned immediately after verse two appears also to happen before the passover especially as throughout john's description of this evening which especially in relation to the discourses accompanying the meal, is very ample. There is not any notice or even allusion to indicate that Jesus was on this occasion celebrating the Passover. Further, when Jesus, after the meal, addresses the traitor with the summons, What thou doest, do quickly. This is misunderstood by the rest of the disciples to mean, by those things that we have need of against the feast verse twenty nine now the requirements for the feast related chiefly to the paschal meal and consequently the meal just concluded cannot have been the paschal again it is said chapter eighteen verse twenty eight that on the following morning the jews would not enter the gentile praetorium lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the Passover. 
whence it would seem that the paschal meal was yet in prospect to this it may be added that this same succeeding day on which jesus was crucified is called the preparation of the passover that is the day on the evening of which the paschal lamb was to be eaten moreover when it is said of the second day after the meal in question being that which jesus passed in the grave that sabbath day was an high day chapter nineteen verse thirty one this peculiar solemnity appears to have proceeded from the circumstance that on that sabbath fell the first day of the passover so that the paschal lamb was not eaten on the evening on which jesus was arrested but on the evening of his burial these divergencies are so important that many expositors in order to prevent the evangelists from falling into contradiction with each other have here also tried the old expedient of supposing that they do not speak of the same thing that john intends to describe an altogether different repast from that of the synoptists according to this view the depnon of john was an ordinary evening meal doubtless in bethany on this occasion jesus washed the disciples feet spoke of the betrayer and after judas had left the company added other discourses of a consoling and admonitory tendency until at length on the morning of the fourteenth of nisan he summoned the disciples to depart from bethany and proceed to jerusalem in the words arise let us go hence chapter fourteen verse thirty one here the synoptical account may be interposed since it represents the two disciples as being sent forward to jerusalem to prepare for the paschal meal and then records its celebration concerning which john is silent and only takes up the thread of the narrative at the discourses delivered after the paschal meal chapter fifteen verse one and following but this attempt to avoid contradiction by referring the respective narratives to totally different events is counteracted by the undeniable identity of many features in the two meals independently of isolated particulars which are found alike in both accounts it is plain that john as well as the synoptists intends to describe the last meal of which jesus partook with his disciples this is implied in the introduction to john's narrative for the proof which is there said to be given of jesus having loved his own unto the end may be the most suitably referred to his last moments of companionship with them in like manner the discourses after the meal point to the prospect of immediate separation and the meal and discourses are in john also immediately followed by the departure to gethsemane and the arrest of jesus it is true that according to the above opinion these last-named incidents are connected only with those discourses which were delivered on the occasion of the later meal omitted by john chapter fifteen verse seventeen but that between chapter fourteen verse thirty one and chapter fifteen verse one 
the author of the fourth gospel intentionally omitted the whole incident of the paschal meal is a position which although it might appear to explain with some plausibility the singular arise let us go hence no one will now seriously maintain but even admitting such an ellipsis there still remains the fact that jesus chapter thirteen verse thirty eight foretells to peter his denial with this determination of time the cock shall not crow which he could only make use of at the last meal and not as is here presupposed at an earlier one thus this expedient must be relinquished and it must be admitted that all the evangelists intend to speak of the same meal namely the last of which jesus partook with his disciples and in making this admission the fairness which we owe to every author and which was believed to be due in a peculiar degree to the authors of the bible appeared to demand an inquiry whether although they represent one and the same event with great divergencies in several respects yet nevertheless both sides may not be correct to obtain an affirmative result of this inquiry it must be shown as regards the time either that the three first evangelists as well as the fourth do not intend to describe a paschal meal or that the latter as well as the former does so intend in an ancient fragment it is sought to solve the problem in the first method by denying that matthew places the last meal of jesus at the proper time for the paschal meal the evening of the fourteenth of nisan and his passion on the first day of the feast of the passover the fifteenth of nisan but one does not see how the express indications respecting the passover in the synoptists can be neutralized hence it has been a far more general attempt in recent times to draw john to the side of the other evangelists his expression before the feast of the passover chapter thirteen verse one was thought to be divested of its difficulty by the observation that it is not immediately connected with the supper but only with the statement that jesus knew that his hour was come and that he loved his own unto the end it is only in the succeeding verse that there is any mention of the meal to which therefore that determination of time does not refer but to what then can it refer to the knowledge that his hour was come this is only an incidental remark or to the love which endured to the end but to this so special a determination of time can only refer if an external proof of love be intended and such an one is presented in his conduct at the meal which consequently remains the point to which that determination of the day must apply it is therefore conjectured further that the words pro tis heortis were used out of accommodation to the greeks for whom john wrote since that people did not like the jews begin their day with the evening the meal taken at the beginning of the first day of the passover would appear to them to be taken 
on the evening before the Passover. But what judicious writer, if he supposes a misconstruction possible on the part of the reader, chooses language which can only serve to encourage that misconstruction? A still more formidable difficulty is presented by chapter 18, verse 28, where the Jews, on the morning after the imprisonment of Jesus, will not enter the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they may eat the Passover. Nevertheless, it was supposed that passages such as Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, where all the sacrifices to be killed during the time of the Passover are denoted by the expression Pesach, authorize the interpretation of To Pascha, in this place, of the remaining sacrifices to be offered during the Paschal week, and especially of the Chagiga, which was to be consumed towards the end of the first feast day. But as Moshim has correctly remarked, from the fact that the Paschal lamb, together with the rest of the sacrifices to be offered during the feast of the Passover, was designated Pascha, it by no means follows that these can be so designated with the exclusion of the Paschal lamb. On the other hand, the friends of the above view have sought to show the necessity of their mode of interpretation by observing that for the eating of the Passover, which was celebrated late in the evening, consequently at the commencement of the succeeding day, the entering of a Gentile house in the morning, being a defilement which lasted only through the current day, would have been no disqualification. But that it would have been such for the partaking of the Chagiga, which was eaten in the afternoon, consequently on the same day which the defilement was contracted. So that only this, and not the Passover, can have been intended. But first, we do not know whether entrance into a Gentile house was a defilement for the day merely. Secondly, if such were the case, the Jews, by a defilement contracted in the morning, would still have disqualified themselves from participating in the preparatory proceedings, which fell on the afternoon of the 14th of Nisan, as, for example, the slaying of the lamb in the outer court of the temple. Lastly, in order to interpret the passage, chapter 19, verse 14, in consistency with their own view, the harmonists understand the preparation of the Passover to mean the day of preparation for the Sabbath in the Easter week, a violence of interpretation which at least finds no countenance in chapter 19, verse 31, where the Pasaskiwi is said to be the preparation for the Sabbath, since from this passage it only appears that the evangelist conceived the first day of the Passover as occurring that year on the Sabbath. These difficulties, which resist the reference of the narrative in John to a real paschal meal, appeared to be obviated by a presupposition derived from Leviticus chapter 23 verse 5, Numbers chapter 9 verse 3, and a passage in Josephus, namely, that the paschal lamb was eaten not on the evening from the 14th to the 15th, but on that from the 13th to the 14th of Nisan, so that between the paschal meal and the first feast day, 
the fifteenth of Nisan, there fell a working day, the fourteenth. On this supposition, it would be correct that the day following the last paschal meal taken by Jesus should be called, as in John chapter 19 verse 14, the preparation of the Passover, because it was actually a day of preparation for the feast day. It would also be correct that the following Sabbath should be called Megali, chapter 19 verse 31, since it would coincide with the first day of the feast. But the greatest difficulty, which lies in John chapter 18 verse 28, remains unsolved, for on this plan the words, that they might eat the Passover, must, since the Paschal meal would be already passed, be understood of the unleavened bread, which was eaten also during the succeeding feast days, an interpretation which is contrary to all the usages of language. If to this it be added, that the supposition of a working day falling between the Passover and the first feast day has no foundation in the Pentateuch and Josephus, that it is decidedly opposed to later custom, and is in itself extremely improbable, this expedient cannot but be relinquished. Perceiving the impossibility of effecting the reconciliation of the synoptists with John by this simple method, other expositors have resorted to a more artificial expedient. The appearance of the evangelists having placed the last meal of Jesus on different days, it's alleged to have its truth in the fact that either the Jews or Jesus celebrated the Passover on another than the usual day. The Jews, say some, in order to avoid the inconvenience arising from the circumstance that in that year the first day of the Passover fell on a Friday, so that two consecutive days must have been solemnized as a Sabbath, deferred the Paschal meal until the Friday evening, whence on the day of the crucifixion they had still to beware of defilement. Jesus, however, adhering strictly to the law, celebrated it at the prescribed time, on the Thursday evening, so that the synoptists are right when they describe the last meal of Jesus as an actual celebration of the Passover. And John also is right when he represents the Jews as, the day after, still looking forward to the eating of the Paschal lamb. In this case, Mark would be wrong in his statement that on the day when they killed the Passover, verse 12, Jesus also caused it to be prepared. But the main point is that though in certain cases the Passover was celebrated in a later month, it was still on the fifteenth day. There is nowhere any trace of a transference to a later day of the same month. It has therefore been a more favorite supposition that Jesus anticipated the usual time of eating the Passover. From purely personal motives, some have thought, foreseeing that at the proper time of the paschal supper he should be already lying in the grave, or at least not sure of life until that period, he, like those Jews who were prevented from journeying to the feast, and like all the Jews of the present day, without a sacrificed lamb, and with mere substitutes for it, celebrated a commemorative Passover. 
but in the first place jesus would not then as luke says have kept the passover on the day on which the passover must be killed and secondly in the merely commemorative celebration of the passover though the prescribed locality jerusalem is dispensed with the regular time the evening from the fourteenth to fifteenth nisan is inviolably observed whereas in the case of jesus the reverse would hold and he would have celebrated the passover at the usual place but at an unusual time which is without example to shield the alleged transposition of the passover by jesus from the charge of being unprecedented and arbitrary it has been maintained that an entire party of his cotemporaries joined in celebrating the passover earlier than the great body of the nation it is known that the jewish sect of the karaites or scripturalists differed from the rabbinites or traditionalists especially in the determination of the new moon maintaining that the practice of the latter in fixing the new moon according to astronomical calculation was an innovation whereas they true to the ancient legal practice determined it according to an empirical observation of the phase of the new luminary now in the time of jesus we are told the sadducees from whom the karaites are said to have sprung determined the time of the new moon and with it that of the festival of the passover which was dependent upon it differently from the pharisees and jesus as the opponent of tradition and the friend of scripture favored their practice in this matter but not to insist that the connection of the karaites with the ancient sadducees is a mere conjecture it was a well-founded objection put forth by the karaites that the determination of the new moon by calculation did not arise until after the destruction of the temple by the romans so that at the time of jesus such a difference cannot have existed nor is there besides any indication to be discovered that at that time the passover was celebrated on different days by different parties supposing however that the above difference as to the determining of the new moon already prevailed in the time of jesus the settling of it according to the phase which jesus is supposed to have followed would rather have resulted in a later than an earlier celebration of the passover whence some have actually conjectured that more probably jesus followed the astronomical calculation besides what may thus be separately urged against every attempt at an amicable adjustment of the differences between the evangelists as to the time of the last supper there is one circumstance which is decisive against all and which only the most recent criticism has adequately exposed with respect namely to this contradiction the case is not so that among passages for the most part harmonious there appear only one or two statements of an apparently inconsistent sense of which it might be said that the author had here used an inaccurate expression to be explained from the remaining passages but that all the chronological statements of the synoptists tend to show that jesus must have celebrated the passover 
all those of john on the contrary that he cannot have celebrated it thus there stand opposed to each other two differing series of evangelical passages which are manifestly based on two different views of the fact on the part of the narrators hence as seifert remarks to persist in disputing the existence of a divergency between the evangelists can no longer be regarded as scientific exposition but only as unscientific arbitrariness and obstinacy modern criticism is therefore constrained to admit that on one side or the other there is an error and setting aside the current prejudices in favour of the fourth gospel it was really an important reason which appeared to necessitate the imputation of this error to the synoptists the ancient fragment attributed to apollinaris mentioned above objects to the opinion that jesus suffered on the great day of unleavened bread that this would have been contrary to the law and in recent times also it has been observed that the day following the last meal of jesus is treated on all sides so entirely as a working day that it cannot be supposed the first day of the passover nor consequently the meal of the previous evening the paschal meal jesus does not solemnize the day for he goes out of the city an act which was forbidden on the night of the passover nor do his friends for they begin the preparations for his burial and only leave them unfinished on account of the arrival of the next day the sabbath still less do the members of the sanhedrim keep it sacred for they not only send their servants out of the city to arrest jesus but also personally undertake judicial proceedings a trial sentence and accusation before the procurator in general there appears throughout only the fear of desecrating the following day which commenced on the evening of the crucifixion and nowhere any solicitude about the current one clear signs that the synoptical representation of the meal as a paschal one is a later error since in the remaining narrative of the synoptists themselves there is evidence not easy to be mistaken of the real fact that jesus was crucified before the passover these observations are certainly of weight it is true that the first relative to the conduct of jesus might perhaps be invalidated by the contradiction existing between the jewish decisions as to the law cited while the last and strongest may be opposed by the fact that trying and giving sentence on the sabbaths and feast days was not only permitted among the jews but there was even a larger place for the administration of justice on such days on account of the greater concourse of people so also according to the new testament itself the jews sent out officers to seize jesus on the great day of the feast of tabernacles john chapter seven verse forty four and following and at the feast of dedication they were about to stone him john chapter ten verse thirty one while herod caused peter to be imprisoned during the days of unleavened bread though indeed 
he intended to defer public sentencing and execution until after the Passover. Acts chapter 12, verse 2 and following. In proof that the crucifixion of Jesus might take place on the feast of the Passover, it is urged that the execution was performed by Roman soldiers, and that, moreover, even according to Jewish custom, it was usual to reserve the execution of important criminals for a feast time in order to make an impression on a greater multitude. But only thus much is to be proved, that during the feast time, and thus during the Passover, on the five intermediate and less solemn days, criminals were tried and executed, not that this was admissible also on the first and last days of the Passover, which ranked as Sabbaths. And thus we read in the Talmud that Jesus was crucified on the Ehreb Pesach, that is, the evening before the Passover. It would be another thing if, as Dr. Bauer strives to prove, the execution of criminals as a sanguinary expiation for the people belonged to the essential significance of the Passover, as a feast of expiation, and hence the custom, noticed by the evangelists, of liberating a prisoner at the feast had been only the reverse side to the execution of another, presenting the same relation as that between the two goats and the two sparrows in the Jewish offerings of atonement and purification. It is certainly very possible that the primitive Christian tradition might be led even unhistorically to associate the Last Supper of Jesus with the Paschal Lamb, and the day of his death with the feast of the Passover. As the Christian supper represented in its form the Passover, and in its import the death of Jesus, it was natural enough to unite these two points, to place the execution of Jesus on the first day of the Passover, and to regard his last meal, at which he was held to have founded the Christian supper, as the Paschal meal. It is true that, presupposing the author of the first gospel to have been an apostle and a participator in the last meal of Jesus, it is difficult to explain how he could fall into such a mistake. At least it is not enough to say, with Thyla, that the more the last meal partaken with their master transcended all paschal meals in interest to the disciples, the less would they concern themselves as to the time of it, whether it occurred on the evening of the Passover or a day earlier. For the first evangelist does not leave this undetermined, but speaks expressly of a paschal meal, and to this degree a real participator, however long he might write after that evening, could not possibly deceive himself. Thus, on the above view, the supposition that the first evangelist was an eyewitness must be renounced, and he must be held, in common with the two intermediate ones, to have drawn his materials from tradition. The difficulty arising from the fact that all the synoptists, and consequently all those writers who have preserved to us the common evangelical tradition, agree in such an error, may perhaps be removed by the observation that just as generally as in the Judeo-Christian communities in which the evangelical tradition was originally formed, 
the Jewish Passover was still celebrated, so generally must the effort present itself to give that feast a Christian import, by referring it to the death and the last meal of Jesus. But it is equally easy, presupposing the correctness of the synoptical determination of time, to conceive how John might be led erroneously to place the death of Jesus on the afternoon of the 14th of Nisan, and his last meal on the previous evening. If, namely, this evangelist found in the circumstance that the legs of the crucified Christ were not broken, a fulfillment of the words, not a bone of him shall be broken, Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, this supposed relation between the death of Jesus and the paschal lamb might suggest to him the idea that at the same time in which the paschal lambs were killed on the afternoon of the fourteenth of nisan jesus suffered on the cross and gave up the ghost in which case the meal taken the evening before was not the paschal meal thus we can conceive a possible cause of error on both sides and since the internal difficulty of the synoptical determination of time, namely, the manifold violations of the first day of the Passover, is in some degree removed by the observations above cited, and is counterpoised by the agreement of three evangelists, our only course is to acknowledge an irreconcilable contradiction between the respective accounts, without venturing a decision as to which is the correct one. End of section 121